0: My name's Liana Berry, and you're listening to Art Muse Podcast, a podcast about the intersections between art, healing, and creativity. Hello, and welcome back. This episode is an interview with sculptor and paper mache artist Osa Rosti. Her colourful, vibrant sculptures and masks are treasured all over the world. A fitting sentiment for Osa, who herself has a traveller's heart. Join her and I as we chat about the processes of paper mache transformation and energy exchange in art-making, and a dream most artists have in common, a giant barn studio. I hope you enjoy. Oh, hi Osa, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon for the Art Muse podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: It's such a pleasure. We were just actually having a quick chat just then about how we're on different sides of the world. And you're joining yeah. me today from Italy.
1: Yeah, that's right. I live in Sicily, actually. So, like, really in the south.
0: Oh, beautiful. And have you lived there very long? Because I th- you, you mentioned that you were Swedish. So, it sounds like... And you've yes. also been to Australia, which is where I am. So, you're well-traveled yeah. by the sounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, well, my husband is Italian. So, uh, and we've been married Quite a while almost 20 years so I've been living in Italy on and off since 2003 actually but we actually moved back to Italy because we lived in many places around the world and about three years ago we moved back um, and we decided to settle in uh, Sicily. Uh, my husband is actually from Milan but, but uh, we prefer the southern part of Italy so and we found like a beautiful place in Sicily and we just love it here also the people is very welcoming and I mean, nature is fabulous. Food
0: is, like, uh, super great. (laughs) Yeah, Italian food is so good. But then different parts of Italy are a bit different with their food heritage and things as well. So Sicily has its own kind of variation of Italian food and Italian history, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I really love it here. Um, Have you been to Sicily?
0: No. No, I have been to Italy. I am lucky enough to have been. um, I went to a town called Lucca oh okay um, yeah it's
1: in Tuscany right? yeah
0: yeah and I've been briefly to Rome and also I obviously as a tourist had to do Venice just for a little oh, bit oh yeah
1: no you cannot miss Venice I mean Venice is fantastic I mean uh, to visit is just I mean it's a little bit like a giant theme park <laughs> because it's like so many uh tourists visiting but but it's it's spectacular it's one of a kind I think in the world so yeah no you cannot miss it Uh, I do recommend coming to Sicily next time because it's it's a really really fabulous place
0: I definitely will head back to Italy sometime because I so enjoyed it just the relaxed atmosphere but what surprised me I think about Italy was the places that I visited the arts culture obviously in Venice there was a lot of little glass blowing workshops and studios around is there quite an arts culture where you are
1: yeah definitely I mean Italy in general has you know a a huge art culture I mean they really have amazing art And, and Sicily in particular I think they have an interesting culture in art and maybe it's like you don't really know it so much because most of the things you think about like you know uh, Florence and the Renaissance and so I mean that's like what you see most of the time no uh, one thing because I am working with papier-mâché for example there is a lot of papier-mâché workers uh, that actually work with papier-mâché in Sicily which is something I didn't actually know about but I I found out when I was here so that's that's really amazing no they, they do have also I mean beautiful buildings and Palermo for example which is the main city has a beautiful uh, architecture and and a lot of rich culture and art
0: and yeah, it's hard not to be inspired when you're surrounded by so much history and beauty. Yeah, and... definitely. I've got so many questions I want to ask you today, we only have an hour, so I'm going to have to prioritize <laughs> <right>. myself. Um, <laughs> Let's get going. I would love to hear how, like, you, I guess, um, a bit about your creative journey, about how you got to becoming um, such an incredible paper mache artist and I guess talking about like traveling is really interesting have you been in that medium for very long and did you do it while you were traveling or something that you've been afforded to do now that you're kind of anchored down a bit more in one spot
1: yeah that's a very interesting question because actually I sort of started to work in paper mache because I was traveling uh, somehow because uh, when I started out I mean I went to art school in London I studied uh, silversmithing jewelry design and allied crafts um, and when I graduated, uh, I started to paint more because I felt that that was more my medium. And then we went traveling around the world. And I felt like I wanted to work in a three dimensional way. No? And I had been studying um, ceramic as well. And I did some ceramic courses actually in Melbourne. And, uh, and But ceramic, I loved it. But you need, you know, the materials. It's very hard to be on the move because you need a kiln and you need a place where you actually are. Uh, and you know to always find a studio where you can you know fire the the work etc uh so i found that that was like too complicated for me so then I don't know by chance I think I had already worked a bit in paper mache in university making jewelry with paper mache but not I hadn't really gone deep into it but then when I was uh, traveling I thought, like look you know paper paper mache is like a really great material because you can find it everywhere Also, it's light and you can uh, I mean it's very inexpensive as in core of it is like paper and a sort of a glue a, a glue I usually make I usually use uh, natural wheat-based glue, which is like the traditional glue that you used to use like in ancient times. And then you just need to build like an armature, like a skeleton of the piece that you put the paper mache onto it. So, I mean, these materials you can find everywhere, I mean, in the world, even if, because we were also traveling, as I said, a lot in Australia I and mean, in the South Pacific, and you might be on a small island and there's like nothing, you know, there's not an art shop around. So... But hardware stores, they have a lot of hardware stores. So, you you know, you will find materials that you need, like chicken wires or, you know, stuff like that. So that actually uh, made me start to work with papier-mâché somehow because I was traveling. And also because it was light, you could, you know, bring it with you or, you know, you can ship it. And uh, really, yeah, that was that was the start of it. And then now I think I've been working with papier-mâché for, like, I, I think more than 15 years uh, uh, in the beginning, maybe I was more using also found objects like wood and driftwood, combining it with paper mache Now it's kind of turned more into uh, working just with paper mache basically. So that's kind of more or less how I started doing it. And then I just continued with some material that I really love. Like, I don't know, I just felt the connection. It's like, it's me, paper mache so, so then I just continued doing it. And obviously when you're stationed and you have your studio it's easier because you know you can create more and and also on bigger scales etc so yeah
0: yeah paper is such a universal material like you said you find it all over the world and yeah it's really accessible I find it so interesting how people identify with certain materials as well I just really enjoy your paper mache creations because they're so (laughs) colorful and so bold and I haven't seen papier-mâché worked in the way that you work it before like that very sculptural way and there's not a lot of artists in maybe there is maybe I'm going to get off here and research and there'll be all of these papier-mâché artists in Australia but I haven't <laughs> yeah. it's not something I've come across really readily in it so it's always re- I find it really interesting to hear people's stories and and why they connect or how they connect with their medium um, yeah. and where they find their inspiration so is there anywhere that you sort of do you have a process as far as like figuring out what you're going to make or what form it's going to take or do you just yeah it's um
1: most of the time actually I I, I do have an idea it, it comes to me like images and 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 sort of I I will sketch it down so uh, because maybe there's also some technical issues that I have to work out so it's easier for me to sketch down and like okay this is more or less how I want to have it and colors and shapes and what kind of material I need to, to use to build it. But then usually when I start to build it, it's a little bit like it takes on a shape by itself. I mean, it's like it comes alive, you know, in front of your eyes. So then it sort of guides me a little bit and, and the ideas maybe I had before, they might not actually work so great when you actually start to, to make it. And then kind of it starts to shape into something else. And, and so it's a little bit of like a... A, a combined process I think it's like both uh, the idea before but then together with the material it evolves into something. so that's usually how I start then of course sometimes uh, I just do like okay, here's the material I'm gonna work with and I don't really have an idea before and I just let the material guide me uh, you know how to put it together, what's gonna be and then something comes out so and that's that's a very fun creative uh, way I think when you just don't have an idea before because you become a little bit more free in your mind somehow uh, whereas a lot of times maybe if I had sketched down the idea that I want to make before I might get a little bit focused on that and I'm like no no I I, I has to be like this and then you might encounter maybe technical problems or maybe the colors don't really work together but you kind of like no but I, I thought already it was going to be like this but then so then it becomes a little bit of a struggle but uh, usually you just go with the flow and
0: then. Yeah, you have that vision sometimes and then you get attached yeah. to that vision. But there is a, there's certainly a lot of pro- uh, problem solving that I think happens just from starting an idea. And I remember when I, I think it was my university lect- lecturer said, told me off a bit one time, not like problem solving enough of my paintings before I started on the canvas or the piece of wood. He's just like, you need to do more like problem solving and develop your ideas more. And and I was like, but why? Because once you start that it happens as you're doing it. And I just think how boring to have to sit there and figure it out all out on paper. I'd rather just start because that's where the process happens anyway. So it's interesting that you're saying that as well. Like once you start forming it, you sort of start to think, well, this doesn't quite work here. Or actually I'm going to have to change the color or that would be really awesome if I added that extra thing in.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: But, yeah, good to have both those options of ways of working because I think sometimes you have no ideas or just feeling really, like, restless and gross and you don't really yeah. <laughs> want to engage in your art making. <laughs> you want to engage in something but you don't know what, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that really.
1: It's Then I always think about there's this great quote from Picasso. Uh, what does he say? Uh, inspiration exists but it has to find you working. Mm. and so I always think of because me too I have moments when I'm like oh, I don't feel I mean nothing comes to mind everything just feels like no this is this doesn't work this is not good this is, you know then I just like no no just you have to work anyway and then you just start and then all of a sudden you just feel that energy that comes to you right and you just like uh, great now I have all these ideas coming that maybe half an hour before you just felt like completely empty so yeah I love that yeah. quote. I think it's really.
0: Yeah, I love it too. And I think it like makes it a more realistic in communication that like it's a bit of a reciprocal relationship with you and your art. It's not just one yeah. way that like you're pouring it out, that actually your artwork is almost alive and kind of speaking back to you. And Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I, I think it's exactly like that. The artwork is kind of has a lot. Li- I mean, it's alive, basically. Oh, it's like energy, like coming into this uh, this uh, dimension we're in. Decides a little bit by itself how it wants to be somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that process of transformation. I find it. I was watching some of your videos that you have on social media, and just that transformation from when you start and you're like mixing yeah. the paper and mixing the glue, and like you know, it just goes through so many different stages from just being like raw materials to kind of having a bit of a shape and a form, and then you start to be able to make out the details and the definition and then you start to paint it and add bright amazing colors and it just goes through this complete transformative process which is so fascinating to watch I imagine that there's like a lot of trust along the way that that it's going to eventuate because in the beginning it's like it looks nothing like what it's going to end up <laughs> <Yeah. as. laughs>
1: in the beginning you're like oh gosh what's going on here it's like so because it really is a long process, like uh obviously uh when i make the videos it looks quite fast uh, like uh, but it really is a very long with as you said different steps like in the beginning you really don't see i mean you can kind of, i see in my mind of course exactly how it's going to be because i had the idea but when you just look at it it's like okay paper there's like glue there is a uh, uh, what's it called um, the tape there's wires like all this kind of different materials and then you just like put them together and slowly slowly yeah it's like transforming and, and i find that each stage is it's very interesting and very nice and it has different kind of energies we spoke about like in the beginning you're like wow great now i'm gonna start to do this and you have this all this like great energy of start with the project then, then immediately you become a bit like oh, okay i don't know is it working Is it's not working yeah. and then when you manage to do the whole shape and everything you're like okay great now i'm painting and the the painting part is really, I love it, because I, I really love colors. So when you put the colors onto it, it's like it comes alive, basically. Uh, and you really see the personality of the of the piece, particularly when you put the eyes, because I make their sort of characters, I suppose. And, and and when you just put the eyes onto them, it's like, ah, there you are. I mean, that's your personality. Like <laughs> It's like you meet them for the first time. So yeah, yeah, as you said, it's very transformative. It's like a really interesting process
0: and you have to be quite patient is there like a long wait for drying time and things along the way yeah it, it can be because
1: paper mache has to be dry completely dry before so uh, otherwise you can get mold for example so the drying obviously it's best if there's really strong sunshine so here in sicily which most part of the year is actually quite warm i mean the summer is super warm so uh Things dry quite fast. Uh, It can also dry in one day, for example. It depends a little bit the weather, (laughs) how fast it will dry. Um, Sometimes I have to wait maybe a few days for a piece to dry, particularly if I work with the pulp method, which is a little bit different um, to the strip method. So the pulp is like thicker and it's like paper pulp there. It can even take one week or even more for for the piece to actually dry out um, and like if i see rain i'm like no no it's not rain today I have to dry my, my paper machine uh so strong sunshine is, is the best yeah.
0: that's so good actually um my husband is a tennis coach and so he's wow. constantly watching the weather for work um, <laughs> yes of course and he's not working as a tennis coach at the moment and it, as much as I worry that he misses it I'm also a little bit relieved because we don't have to watch the weather as closely because you know when he was he he, like doing it all the time it was like his work would be so impacted on whether he could get outside and play tennis and I never thought about that as from an artist's perspective like that there are artists that are also relying on the weather. Exactly. If you're a paper mache artist and you have a big project, you don't want it to be a rainy week because you can't. No,
1: you freak out. I mean, I can get really like if I have like I made a very big sculpture one time and it was like and it was going into an exhibition and I was like continuously like your husband looking at the, the weather forecast and I was like, no rain, no, no. It cannot be rain before because it has to be like sunny just at least like two weeks before so it can dry out completely. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I noticed a lot of paper mache artists are really concerned about the weather like how they're going to dry out during particularly if they are you know in colder countries during the winter or autumn moment when it's raining or cold it's it really like you know you have to be a bit innovative maybe you dry it onto radiators or if you have very small products you can also dry them uh, uh, in the oven like really really low like 50 degrees celsius like really low obviously you don't want to bake them or burn them. <laughs>
0: But you just have more i guess creative freedom if you live somewhere sunny so italy yeah, versus exactly. sweden in sweden you would have um quite yeah. a lot of difficulty doing at least really big projects in the extended <laughs> yeah. winter
1: yeah definitely I would. <laughs> would well the good thing is that inside the houses in Sweden it's really warm because they keep the temperature in the house like it can be in t shirt and shorts it's like it's super warm so maybe it could dry inside but I think you would have to sort of build a, a drying station with like fans and, and heaters <laughs> yeah definitely
0: yeah I think there's become have so much gratitude for the sun when you can you really realize like what it does
1: uh, and for me it's super super important to sunny times
0: yeah absolutely okay it's a nice transition to this question because I can spot a sun behind you um oh yeah but because you do quite a variety of work from like freestanding sculptures to hanging to masks and they're all quite different to each other masks in particular are like really powerful because they, I guess they're not something we see a lot of anymore you know like you sort of sometimes see them in children's play and things like that but they used to be a a lot more mask making around a lot of like obviously theater productions and movie scenes and stuff everything was handmade um costumes were like handmade and sometimes they still are but I just feel like that mask making isn't or the existence of masks isn't super common obviously some parts of the world culturally they still have masks as part Mm, of their traditions mm. how did you get into like have you had a fascination with masks before? Or something that just organically kind of came out of your working process? Yeah,
1: it's a little bit of both. Again, it's like a mix of things. I mean, I've always been very interested in masks. I don't know. I felt always drawn to them, like as an artifact. Like as you said, in different. Cu- I think in most cultures, they have been used in one way or another. Maybe they're not used as you said so much today, but uh, traditionally, uh, they were probably uh, created to, you know. Um, incorporate sort of energies uh, from being from another from beings from another sort of magic realm that came into this realm and they, they used them maybe to ward off evil things or to make ceremonies. They're sort of like sermon, uh, ser- Yeah, ceremonial. Ceremonial, yes, in different settings, and that always interested me. Like I remember going to museums, seeing you know masks from maybe Africa or or ancient civilizations uh, uh, like uh, Incas, etc. These beautiful masks with the, like the turquoise on top—they're almost also a little bit scary because they—you can feel that they have sort of an energy coming out from them somehow. So in that way, I was always interested. In mass. And I was just like, I want to make masks, I want to make masks, but I never got around to do it because I was creating more like three-dimensional, freestanding sculptures in the beginning. And then uh, I remember I had to go to a party, a carnival party, you know, here in Italy, like in Venice, they have the carnival and they put the masks on and, you know, to hide their identity. I was like, okay, I need to buy a mask. And it was here in Sicily and I couldn't really find one in the area where I live because I uh, just didn't find one that I like. I thought oh, but I'm just gonna make one you know why not I mean let's try to make one so I made like a rabbit mask and oh, yeah you want to see it I'll show yes, it to you. yes please yeah it's, if you can I spot it I have it here I, I spotted it oh, <laughs> Ah, yeah. that's so cool <laughs> so it was like a mask you can see it's like when you hold in front of your face right yeah and I just I don't know when I started making it, it just felt like a connection like I was, you know when you realize you're like ah, oh, this is what I want to do like this is like what I've been looking for although of course I love all the things I'm doing but but this I just felt like wow you know I got so excited making these masks so then then I was like okay uh, let, let's do more masks but then making masks that you wear is a little bit different I, I, I felt I wanted to make more masks like a decorative object instead so I was like okay let's you know morph them let's make them you know, uh, wall hangings instead. Uh, so then I just started like that. And it just felt like, wow, I had all these personalities that wanted to come out, just like go, go, go. So I don't know, that's sort of how it started. Yeah, making masks. And then I felt also, because then obviously I put them on Instagram and, and on my website and I got like great response from people. They were like, wow, we love this mask and it's so fun. So that also, of course, makes you more, when you make something and you also put them out there and you see that other people enjoy it I felt okay there is some sort of connection here so and then it just got completely I guess obsessed because now I'm just them
0: <laughs> <laughs> all the time well they're so powerful and like you said like it's almost like you can imagine like a story for each of them like yeah. your rabbit mask you can like you said it instantly has so much character that you can yeah it's it's like it becomes yeah
1: a- it's like they are like personalities coming out and it's so fun and then i don't know why i started to make suns because uh, the sun obviously is very symbolic you know it's like a renewal it's like great happy yellow energy and that just came out of it and then i started to make them and i'm i'm really obsessed about making suns in different ways because uh, the sun also as a symbol i think it's extremely powerful so and they're happy and yeah so I'm just like completely into making sun masks.
0: Oh, well, that's good though, and it's nice to hear you get feedback because I think yeah, there's this interesting thing for artists in that you know you do make from that internal drive, like you yeah. said. You you're the one that often generates the ideas and has the connection to the material and you know transforms the artwork into what it is. So it's not necessarily that a lot of a lot of artists don't m- make purely for other people but there is something important about having a dialogue with other people and it can certainly like feed back enough energy because it's hard to sustain it by yourself like you said you all ha- we yeah. all have those days where we're like oh I could just feel really exhausted where am I going with this I feel really lost and so if you're having other people kind of connect with your work it just gives you energy but I think it also just gives that extra beautiful purpose and that you're like sending your pieces out into the world and like sharing a bit of exactly that experience with people and like if like you said especially when your sculptures and your artwork is about joy or about celebration or about color like that's such Mm. a nice gift to be able to like um give your customers is that you're like packaging like a little (laughs) bit of colorful magic sunshine (laughs) yeah it's true it's
1: like I I really enjoy sharing with other people what I'm doing because I as you said like it's so great to get great feedback. And one thing that happened, because I also share a lot the process, how I do it. So and paper mache is such a fabulous material and everybody can work with it. And, 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 you know, it's not, it doesn't really have to be very expensive. You probably have most of the materials at home already. So, you know, also for children, you know, you can work with it. And, and a lot of people, uh, for example, art teachers uh, got back to me asking me information or if they could uh, use my project in their um, art classes. So then, and I was like, yeah, great, of course, do it. Because I think it's so great to be able to share creativity. And then they send me photos of what the children make. And it's so great to see. I mean, you know, from all over the world, I have schools like the girls school in uh, South Africa. They made amazing masks like lions and, and and all sort of inspired by my mask, but taking their own take on to it. But it was so great to see. And also in Australia, there's been a lot of... Um, schools that have been doing uh, masks based on, on on my work and also in the United States and in Poland and Germany so it's like all over the world there's all uh, these children or young adults creating their take on the wall masks inspired by my work and, and I find that is so great to see because it's like you share creativity and uh, I love that I I, I really that's like a part of it that I really really love so and as you said it's great to get feedback that people enjoy what you're doing obviously also in the in the sense that I have customers buying the art as well which is obviously great so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely we all all have bills to pay and um, food food to eat and things (laughs) like that yeah I wish I
1: could just like give it out into the world like that but obviously that's not possible
0: (laughs) No, and I think it's. I think most people, when they really enjoy something, they there's like a, a value of exchanging, and for most people, have all sorts of way of exchanging things. But our most common way is money, obviously. So that's something that people feel like they can have access to things on the other side of the world. And yeah, it's just cool to think like your masks and sculptures in all different people's homes and spaces. And- yeah.
1: I love it. It's so fun, particularly when they send photos and they show it, and it's just like, wow, that's that's really amazing. I mean,
0: yeah, and the impact I think that that has when you think about how you engage with the things that are around you in your home, like every single day, and how they give you comfort or they, you know, brighten your day, or even you know, in workplaces or places like hospitals, if there's artwork yeah. in hospitals, it just goes to show like how important art artifacts yeah. are.
1: Yeah, it's like as I said, it's like energy and also. The colors in themselves, they have energy, of course, and and it affects us as you as you mentioned, like in hospitals for for example, particularly children's hospital. I think it's really great when they paint the walls instead with, you know, fun sceneries. Um, I saw one hospital who were making there an artist making really beautiful like undersea scenes with fishes and and whales and and, and just fun scenes in general and i think that's where you have an experience where you're in a hospital which is a negative experience obviously and then you get to see that really helps i think i think it really helps
0: yeah they've done studies to show that people report less pain and sometimes their admission oh, nice. is shortened just from having access to either a window so like a view outwards to nature or having an ac- access to like an artwork on their wall yeah. like in their room And you just think like, that's so fascinating. Obviously, I find studies interesting, but sometimes I'm also like a part of my brain is like, obviously you know (laughs) like sometimes do we have to just explain the obvious and convince ourselves (laughs) of the obvious like why would it not be a good idea like you said to have colorful like engaging enriching art in places where people are suffering like it doesn't seem like a hard connection to make but we're kind of in that space where people are having to convince institutions to particularly in rooms I think hospitals quite often in Australia anyway quite often had art collections and they will be quite good at Mm. putting them in corridors and things like that but I guess there's that maybe that hesitancy in in people's rooms because it it's like the person's immobile, like they can't move away from it. So then it's like, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, if it, if they don't like,
0: yeah, so maybe that it feels trickier to be able to put it in there. I don't know. It'd be interesting to I don't to know, know
1: either, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a little bit, but I think obviously for us, for you and me, it's like obvious that you like, you know, you, when you see it, you feel great. So, but as you said, institutions, it might not be the first thing on their agenda to put art because obviously, it's, although they do, as you said, more and more these things because they realize that it has a huge impact on people. Uh, and, and, and again, obviously not everybody likes the same things, but you can have also very... I mean, you could just have abstract sort of colourful things or, you know, a little bit soft things. I think most people can enjoy seeing those things. I don't think it's obviously maybe you don't want to have a crazy psychedelic painting because maybe that's going be- <laughs> yeah, True.
0: If I was in hospital, I would quite enjoy having a sun mask or one of your cats. Yeah. I really like oh, your...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cats are sweet.
0: <laughs> I feel like art, is, it, it can be really deeply expressive and sometimes we kind of use art making to reflect I guess something that we're seeking because you have such a strong style like so much color and vibrancy (laughs) do you feel like that reflects who you are or your personality or do you feel like that's something that it's how do I describe it I've started to do quite colorful paintings for example and I don't necessarily feel like I'm a quite I'm a very vibrant like optimistic person I can be quite deep and like moody but I like the color because it's something that I like I'm seeking rather than a reflection of who I am, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, definitely.
0: Sometimes we're seeking more play and more color and more hope or more joy. And so we purposely make art within that that kind of realm and those themes. Yeah. but other times we're making art because that's an expression of who we are or like what we're sort of experiencing. Do you feel like with yours, it's either or all of those things?
1: uh definitely i think it's uh, as you said it's both of those things basically because for sure it is an expression a little bit of how i am i mean i love colors i i i also dress quite colorful me too i i I am not always like happy and fun i am also (laughs) moody and you know not in a good mood sometimes so uh i mean we all have these personalities are complex no but i do feel that what i like and that comes through into my art it becomes because obviously I I take a lot of impressions from everywhere you know everything can inspire you and it goes inside of you and it mixes around and then it comes out from you so it's like you know it's something that is coming from within yourself so it is like a part of you and as you said it might be something that you are seeking that you want more of because uh, making it that helps you to to kind of Put it back into your body if, if that makes sense or it is something that you have inside that you are expressing basically so so I think my pieces sort of expresses a part of my personality definitely and then also I love things that are wonky asymmetrical and you know funny crazy strange uh, not perfect and and so obviously that is <laughs> what I am making as well no so so it's both it's it's both that it's your' you coming out through the artwork but it's also what you like and what you want to do more of or see more of in the world somehow I I think Mm. so it's like a two-way thing
0: I liked your explanation of it kind of your like inspiration (laughs) or like your um your visual references or whatever it is that's influencing you like kind of going in and getting all jumbled up and then coming back yeah because I just think I mean maybe for some people it is but I always feel like when my creativity comes out I know that I've picked it up from places sometimes you can recognize things in it like oh yes I see that connection with this experience I had and sometimes you're just not really sure yeah a bit of something that from five years ago plus something from yesterday plus you know (laughs) like it's it's not really like always that clear and like organized I guess. It does feel like it jumbles in. Yeah,
1: no, it's not organized at all. It's like, it's almost like a crazy dream sometimes. Like, you know, you have all kinds of things mashed together that doesn't really make sense, but then they do make sense. Yeah,
0: so definitely. Your description of yourself is so lovely that you love like all the best things (laughs) in life, the color and the quirkiness and the wonkiness, being able to embrace that. Are you, is your home really colorful? Like, is your partner the same or do you have to kind of rein it in a little bit?
1: (laughs) no no we're quite different later but it's it's sort of a fake situation because now it's interesting you said because we have actually been building a house here in Sicily um that uh, now is kind of ready uh, and we moved inside and I had to sort of a little bit control myself because I really I mean if I got like free hands it would probably look like really a crazy place like I really wanted to make you know very colorful mosaic in the bathrooms, and you know, with scenery, it's maybe underwater. So, you know, you see those like on Pinterest, there's people have this fabulous bathroom, and they made like it's like you're under the sea, it's like fishes, and there's like uh, submarines, and whatever this kind of stuff. I want to make like stuff like that, obviously, but my husband is a little bit more maybe, yeah, he's, he, he doesn't really like that kind of <laughs> colorful situation. So, so I kind of controlled myself a little bit. And so, my house is actually, I would say, it's actually. Well we have colorful, we made like three big doors, or huge barn doors that we painted uh, blue, green, and yellow. So those are like big, colorful blocks that are in our house. Uh, and then the rest is like an open space, so they close they clo- they're closing the the, the the rooms. so you see them. But the rest is not super colorful, except my studio is like completely uh, like a colorful bomb just exploded. <laughs> I
0: everything. was just gonna say <laughs> that. That's why artists have studios. Do you know the Swedish? She's like a painter and a, a jewelry maker. She makes YouTube videos. Do you know Jenten? Ah
1: yeah, Jonna Jinton. Yeah. Yes, I love her stuff. She lives up north in Sweden.
0: Yeah, and she bought that art studio and it's like a yeah. it's like basically a renovated house. And I just feel like ah, every yeah. artist needs that because then you can make it a colorful
1: Yeah, exactly. As you want. It's my dream. I have my studio at home now. So obviously I mean I close the door so then obviously you don't see it because sometimes it can be obviously tiring if your whole house is full of your stuff which It kind of tends to be because it kind of tends to expand a little bit everywhere. So (laughs) my whole poor husband has to like jump over my stuff. But I try to keep it in my studio. So it's great if you can have like a huge space, you know, where it's like, I don't know, a big barn or like just a house just for you. Like, and you just like do go wild in there. You just do anything you want. That's definitely a dream of mine to be able to do that. So,
0: yeah. The other question I wanted to ask you was about... I guess a little bit more about your process, but it strikes me as quite mm-hmm. a physical process because you, yeah. like if you're to make the glue as well as like when you do make paper pulp, is it quite physical to mix? and?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a very physical job because, for example, uh, when you do the pulp method, basically before you will soak the, the newspaper. So if you work on kind of bigger scales, you have to soak a lot of newspaper and then you have to pulp it and, um, uh, with a mixer and you have to, you know, squeeze out all the water. So there's a lot of elements of, like, squeezing and kneading, a little bit like baking bread, I think. It's like, because then you, when you squeeze out all the water, you have to then put in the glue and uh, whatever materials you use and, you know, knead it and really mix it. And that that you need quite strong arms for, because, you know, the, the bigger the batches you make, the more, obviously, physical work you have to do. But also then, uh, you know, to build the, the armatures and yeah you're sort of a little bit like a builder somehow making things and and i find yeah it can be sometimes quite the physical definitely and sometimes i feel like tired like no no i don't want to make pulp today i'm like, <laughs>
0: tired my arms hurt about <laughs> whatever you started i find it really interesting chatting to people that have like really physical parts of their art making because it's yeah. i guess engaging the body as well as the mind because obviously all art you do at least use your hands so you are using your body but certainly some are like some art forms are really much more physical than others and yeah I'm always interested whether that is more of a burden or whether that can actually add to like what you get out of the process and like whether you find yeah. it it feels more therapeutic because you like the whole of you is engaged not just your
1: true it's like again it's like a double side because It can obviously feel like you're really into the whole process of making. So it's like you said, it's like your body is almost a part of what you're doing. Uh, But at the same time, it can also be tiring. So sometimes I'm just wishing, I'm like, no, maybe I should just like paint (laughs) instead (laughs) of or just, you know, paint something a bit more uh, on a canvas. Or I'm not saying that's easier. I'm just that you don't make you so much physical force basically but it is great it it does make you feel i love when you touch your materials for example when you paint i love when you paint for example with crayons or or you know you know pastels because you like really touch it and you and you touch you know the paper with the colors and everything so for me it's actually it's a positive experience with a little Mm -hmm. bit of tiredness (laughs) yeah
0: <laughs> yeah there's no sort of no room sometimes like when like you said you're feeling tired or you're perhaps poorly unwell or something then you yeah. can't there's no way to sort of go with it but it's demanding I guess in that sense but yeah it is very tactile isn't it like and there's sort of different elements of how tactile it is as you go along
1: yeah definitely I mean there's so much to paper machine also different different artists use different techniques and 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 also what you mix in with your paper mache because obviously the traditional ways because paper mache is like really ancient I mean I think the first things they found their paper mache is like from China where they invented the paper like from I think like 200 BC so it's like you know and they're intact pieces so it's like really it's 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 also a very strong material because People think maybe of Mache something like you did in kindergarten somehow, like which is is as well because it's great. In fact, my first absolutely amazing memory with paper mache is actually from kindergarten. So maybe that's what put me on the road of paper machine. But paper mache can also be extremely complicated. Some artists they mix in a lot of things, as we mentioned before, maybe plaster or sawdust or different kinds of glues and you know, make it becomes like a new material somehow um i, I get because paper mache is sort of a, like a composite material like you have different materials that that's i mean and then you put them together and it becomes like a new material so so it can be rather complicated but it can also be super simple it, it really depends on the artist how how they make them so yeah no, i don't remember what was your question i just think i went completely off track somewhere but <laughs>
0: No, I think I was just saying that my <laughs> questions were a little bit um, choppy because I'm just intrigued by the process. And that's so interesting that each artist has a different yeah. way Like, and that each artist probably has their own individual recipes, yeah. like bakers when they make cakes. Yeah. And like Everyone does things slightly differently and it comes out with a different result, but it's like their thing.
1: It's exactly like that. It's like it's so I, – I know many different pape mache artists and they all use – slightly different uh, recipes or, or very different recipes and it's actually quite fun like it takes time I mean I've been I still experiment with different recipes so you know it takes time you have to experiment with what you like or what works for you or what works for the piece so for example the, my big pieces there are like freestanding sculptures there I use a little bit different recipes for them for the pulp uh, whereas when I make the masks, I use mainly kind of more traditional with the natural wheat face glue and paper strips and so and and so that's a little bit of what you're making you know, how big it is and...
0: yeah and to like how heavy the, you, you know it could be or like the strength yeah. and the texture and yeah I imagine there's like quite a lot of different things to consider when you
1: yeah definitely but it's super fabulous paper like really really fun material
0: I bet a lot of people are going to listen to this and then and then they're going to be like, oh, what are we going to do this weekend? Let's make a paper mache.
1: In fact, but it's so fun and anybody can do it. I have a lot of people contacting me. They say like, look, you know, I found your stuff and now I, I haven't been working with paper mache since kindergarten <laughs> mm-hmm. and now, you know, I'm going to try it and I love it. And it's a great. I mean, art can also be very therapeutic, no? It's mm-hmm. like... Uh, uh, you make it and, and particularly paper mache because you work with your hands and you create something you see it, you grow it uh, and also it's 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 quite simple Like I said it can be as simple as you probably already have the ingredients at home so you can make it so a lot of people I find that they want to start to try to make paper mache and also I find that a lot of lately uh, paper mache has had some sort of revival somehow like I wonder what
0: triggered that because um, I know that clay has had like a big revival in Australia yeah. at least and like there's Lots of people, like from artists to like just everyday people, wanting to be more crafty. Really interested in clay, and it is quite. It can be quite an aversive material because it's hard to master. The yeah. texture can be interesting, and then the processing of it can be really fickle. Like the way that it dries, or if you're having to get it fired, like you said, it's not very transportable. Yeah. You know, when you're traveling, you can't really. <laughs> no, the kiln is a little bit heavy. <laughs> yeah, and then it can be expensive as well. Like buying yeah. good quality. Like And so I feel like I wonder if it's like a rebound of that where people are still interested in doing something sculptural and Mm. something tactile and then people are starting to discover like, oh, there's actually other ways of getting that sculptural quality and forming it into things um, and getting that tactile feedback that it doesn't it doesn't just have to be clay and you know, obviously painting clay and making it colourful is like quite a process as well. Whereas I feel like I mean, obviously paper mache definitely still has its challenges and problems you have to problem solve. But I don't know, you're like you can very clearly see with your work that you are able to get really bright colours, um, have a lot of freedom with painting, you know, patterns over the top and things.
1: No, but I think it's exactly as you said. It's a it's like that. It's I, I, I think people I mean ceramic had like a few years ago was like a boom like everybody's making ceramics and you know and and i have studied ceramics a bit as well but as you said exactly like it's a totally different process which is a great process and and if you love it it, and you can work well with it it plays really fabulous to you know work with your hands but but as you said it's like you know it is it can be a bit more costly also you need a studio where you have to burn you know the kiln and the colors although some ceramic artists can make amazing colors and make but it's quite difficult to learn to be very good at making the the colors I think on, on ceramics and I think that this part I mean paper mache as you said is like it's probably simpler to get started somehow and you know as I said anybody can do it at home you just need paper glued I mean if you use natural wheat. Base glue is just like flour with flour and, and water, you know, it's great. You can also work with children doing that and, and, and building the armature, you can use recycled materials like plastic bottles. You just have, you know, taped them together a bit and you have like great shapes you can make from that. So it might be a little bit simpler and easier to work with in the beginning. And again, of course, painting process is a bit, you know, it's different because you're painting the colours you see is exactly what you're gonna get, and you're working more Whereas in ceramics, I found that you're not quite sure how the color is going to come out because when you fire it, it comes out like maybe different from when you you know you you put it on. To the, it's a different process. But I definitely think paper mache. I can really see that a lot of people are interested in, in paper mache. And maybe also because before maybe it wasn't considered a. I think it's been considered a bit like a poor material, if that makes sense. Like you mm-hmm. know, it's like not as nice as other materials, and maybe. Uh, people were scared that maybe it's not as durable as other materials. I don't know, or or they just have this image of making balloon uh, pigs in kindergarten because that's like what you think of paper machine, Maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, but but it's not at all like that. I mean, it's a really versatile material, and 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 it can be extremely durable. Like my sculptures are. Obviously, you cannot leave them out in the rain, but that's a lot of. Things you cannot do out in the rain. Most That works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Even <laughs> if you a really canvas out with the paint in the rain. As I said, like they found objects from, you know, 200 BC that are still, you know, intact today. So it can be amazing. It's
0: where some of these things get lost in common knowledge and then they get reassociated with other things like you said because obviously at some stage there or there's been a continuation of people using it in early childhood which is great like you said and not taking away from that because it's lovely it's a lovely process for kids but i guess when when its popularity amongst like adults and older creatives and craft groups has died off then all that's left is that that continuation with early childhood settings and then the association becomes too closely attached to that so like you said people think like oh it's a a children's like activity and yeah it's so nice to hear that there's so many artists that are starting to work like revive it and bring it back into the art world and celebrate all those qualities that people don't know like that will be surprising for a lot of people that there are paper mache like objects and artifacts and artworks that exist from that long ago that they've you know survived that long and I think also like it's nice just to it's even if you do have a connection of it being a childhood activity like it's an opportunity to connect with your inner child again um and be playful with it and make it and make another um paper mache pig
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly so great so I think also as you said as you mentioned like when people see that a lot of artists are starting or use this material already and making amazing things, and they get like, "Oh, wow, is that really paper mache?" Because a lot uh, maybe if I have a show or I show my work, and they're like, but "Is that paper mache?" Because they really have this image of paper mache in a certain way, uh, and they're like, "Wow, but that's amazing," you know. Uh, and then when they see all this, because now also with social media and and you know Instagram, I mean, it's great source of inspiration, like you see so many things that can be made. And, and I think people start to see, oh, okay, with mache, you can actually make amazing stuff. So I want to try that as well because, you know, it, it looks fun. So it's it's a combination probably of people seeing other people's work and then they realize that it can be something more than just balloon pigs, and, and uh, which I mean, I love balloon pigs, so there's not nothing against balloon pigs. But <laughs> but uh...
0: I also feel like balloons, though. Like so, I taught a class. I hadn't done paper mache for a long time, and I taught a class a few years ago, and I decided I wanted to do paper mache with the kids that I was working with, and we did paper mache dogs. But ah, I had obviously was not very researched, and I had got my inspiration from an, an American artist. Actually, he does these great big giant. Paper mache dogs.
1: Oh, it's the um, Will Kurtz. Yeah, Will Kurtz. I think he makes all these like uh, very realistic, uh like dogs and and, and people. Uh, mm. I think it's in New York, right? I think so. I, it was a while ago. I I sort of get hazy. All these dogs. I remember he had a show and he had all these dogs, and they are really fabulously made. I mean, yeah, and he doesn't paint. I mean, the work is like painted with the paper. I mean, the paper colors in in. That makes up how it is uh, coloured. So, yeah, yeah, it's probably
0: that art. Yeah, yeah, it is him. I'm glad that you know the names. I always forget everybody's names. And so I got all excited and been like, oh, we're going to do it. And I, I was still stuck in my, my own childhood memories. So I was like, oh, what's a good shape to get a body? So I was like, oh, we'll just do like a balloon and then make, like you know stick other things on for um legs but I feel like balloons are really challenging as like the scaffolding because they're slippery and like you know especially for kids and you might puncture them (laughs) yeah and you might puncture it and it's just like it's round as well so then there's sort of nowhere for you know you want your paper mache strips to stay really like smooth and not kind of bubble up you want the texture to sit closely to the form it wasn't it was um it was a learning experience let's just say that much it was very challenging <laughs>
1: oh. but they managed to make them and, and yeah they did make some
0: they did <laughs> I think they probably looked more like pigs than dogs but <laughs> it was about the process I'm all about the process so it was fine they enjoyed it they thoroughly enjoyed very... it it was very um <laughs>
1: challenging I was, yeah I bet it was really fun I, I think it's great I mean as you said but balloons are actually Complicated, yeah, and it it do tend to look more like pigs when it comes out.
0: Yeah, this kind of rounded tummy. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. I think it's good to have a sense of humor. Being an artist as well, like it's so important.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. That's I think it's very important. Yeah,
0: yeah, because there are days where it's not all fun. It's <laughs> it can be frustrating. Actually, that probably brings us to one of the questions I like to end my podcast interviews with similar questions. The first one was just asking you if you do have any barriers to art making. And then if you had any advice, like or a tip that you do to try and overcome that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh we actually spoke a little bit about this before um one of the things is that uh, if you don't feel creative because a lot of times you really don't feel creative i mean it's not like you wake up in the morning and you know you have all these great ideas straight away it's not always like that i mean sometimes it is but a lot of times and uh i'm quite organized as an art i mean i work every day basically because i mean it's something i love to do but also i find it's best that i stay in my studio and i work all the time to get that creativity coming and but sometimes i really don't i'm just like oh no i have no ideas everything is just like oh it doesn't work and this doesn't work and that doesn't work and then i i always think about that that quote you were speaking about from picasso that inspiration exists but it has to find you working so then i just usually just work anyway so but it feels really like you know it feels like there's a break like you just feel like you don't get the things coming out it just feel like heavy and like the energy sort of like but then all of a sudden maybe 15 minutes in or something like that it just reappears the 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 inspiration or the create the creativity so i guess that's my my suggestion is that you just continue to work even though it feels like there is no creativeness or inspiration whatsoever and then hopefully come sometimes it doesn't come but then you know you just that's it you just stop and then continue another day or something like that so that I think is one of the things that is a little bit like a barrier that if you don't feel great
0: yeah like not relying on that feeling I guess like I think yeah you cannot really wait yeah until you feel like it or you know yeah measuring your when you should work based on how you're feeling because it's not like it's not very reliable like you said like you sort of have to just set the routine and go with it
1: yeah exactly because maybe more in the beginning I was more like okay I'm waiting for the perfect inspiration the perfect moment and and then as you said it's like You have a lot of time where you really don't feel inspired at all. And then obviously in an art business, you have a lot of it's not like I create all the time. There's a lot of things around it, you know, that you have to do this, you know, administrative work or you know, packing, shipping, keeping everything updated on social media or clients and things. So there is a lot of other actually jobs around it. So it's not just creating all the time. But I find it's important that at least every day I am like working. So I am Quite strict with myself, so I'm just like, okay, now now you are working you have to work even though if you don't feel feel inspired. And then it comes, and when it comes, it's great because it's as you know, it's like a great feeling. It's like uh, like something just flows through you, and and it's a really happy sort of I don't know how to explain the tingling.
0: yeah yeah I know like I sometimes I'm like Liana why did you create a podcast about creativity because it's like really hard to articulate it and like the purpose of the podcast is just to discuss with people like what their creativity is but what it means to them and explore concepts of creativity and life and how they intermingle but it's really hard to articulate a lot of (laughs) they're not easy concepts sometimes you can know how they feel but you don't know how to put them into words
1: yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think that's so uh, great about your podcast, and 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 as you said, it's like you know exactly how it feels, but it's like you cannot put it into words. It's like I don't know how do you explain this feeling. It's it's really, and I guess also sometimes as as artists that are like very visual, also to put into words sometimes it, it's difficult. Like, like I always this is something completely different, but I find that. When I have to write about my art or explain things, it's like it doesn't sound at all like how I feel it inside of me. Mm. So yeah, it's it's that's a skill
0: in itself, basically. Yeah, it is really really tricky. I think a lot of artists really struggle with it. I think we might have also touched briefly on the second question, but you might have some more to share. Is um a favorite memory a favorite memory as in a paper mache memory or an artist memory? Like okay, so a favorite. Uh, yeah,
1: this is funny. Um, I have a lot of great memories, obviously, creating art. But one of my favorite memories, which is also like really my first memory of paper mache is like from kindergarten. And and we were making a puppets, you know, like these finger puppets uh, in puppet shows. Like, And the body was like a sock. And then there was the hands. And then we had to make the heads in paper mache And I think... This was this store bought paper machine because you can buy it and you just mix in paper and it becomes like a pulp. And I remember I found it so fascinating. Like I really loved it. like it was like something I can still it's like one of my earliest memories because probably I was five five years old maybe. And and I can still remember the smell of it and like how I shaped this puppet uh, uh, puppet head and like I just felt like, oh my god, this material is like amazing. I mean obviously at that time I didn't really understand much about different materials and things like but I just found this is amazing and then we painted it and and I remember I was so proud of this puppet and then I brought it home and it's a shame I don't have it anymore because obviously it's a really long time ago. <laughs> but, but I, I wish I, I had it because that is the most like vivid strong memory of something that I had when I was a child somehow and that is so interesting because that is now something I am working with now. So I'm wondering if it's like, was that influencing me already then? Or was I already knowing that I was going to work with paper mache at the yeah. later? You know, it's like quite an interesting thing. And um, I can still feel this, like when I think about it I can feel the smell of this uh, store-bought paper mache. In fact, that makes me think I should go and buy some and see if because I haven't actually tried it again I should buy some and see if they actually have the same smells. still it might be and yeah so that is one of the, a really fun memory I have something very vivid
0: oh it's such a beautiful memory and just goes to show how multi-sensory the, the medium is that like part of that memory is the yeah. smell for you
1: yeah it has a, it had a very interesting classic maybe I don't know if they put like Plaster Paris in it and stuff like because it was like kind of white I don't remember yeah and it became like a paste it's like I think it's like paper paper pulp dried with plaster Paris and some glue and stuff like I didn't put water inside of it anyway. but I also remember the consistency of the paper and we made we might have used yeah probably bottles and then we made like the head on top like that and I don't know this is so fun I mean it's a, it's a very simple thing but it's amazing to think that that was something I made when I was a child and obviously for many many years I didn't really realize that that was something I wanted to work with but it's interesting to see that that might have influenced me you know Mm. from so early age that's why it's so important I think like you know art classes in school or creative things in school because it can really influence you for then later on I mean I don't know if that subconsciously then made me put me on the track of paper mache who knows
0: yeah just having that exposure to it and that awareness of it I think is really important
1: yeah yeah because I remember the feeling was quite similar to now that I have this amazement for the material paper mache like I really I say this is kind of quite simple material but I really when I put my hands into the pulp I really feel like wow this is so amazing to touch and so amazing to work with I mean
0: still the same feeling all those years later (laughs) exactly how lovely yeah I made such an impression on you and my last question for you today, Osa, was um, if we have a creative dream at the moment, it can be anything. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I think we were speaking about this before, well. So one
1: one thing I would love is to have, like, a giant studio that is, like, I don't know, a big barn or something where you can just go wild and, and create. You don't have to think about, you know. Uh, that you dirty too much or or uh, well it can have a bathroom
0: can... in there that you can tile with like with all the colors yeah, yeah. so you can uh, you know great. go for a shower if you get like a, you know <laughs> if you need to before you go home or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah true exactly I need to do that so that's that's a dream of mine to have like uh, and I hope I can make it in the future to have this uh, uh, big space that is just where I can go wild and that you know you can invite people there's a lot of enough room that you can do like workshops and, and people coming you know maybe from all over the world coming here to Sicily and we can make uh, paper mache together that would be that would be really cool I actually had some requests already but unfortunately I don't really have the space right now but for people I wants to come and make sort of retreats uh, combined with creative um, workshops so that's something I really would like to try to make it happen for the future definitely yeah that's that's a sort of dream and then maybe combine it with another dream that uh, i can go to other countries and and have workshops uh, with other people uh, you know like i think it's great where you can create together and and, yeah i think workshops are a great uh, great thing to do
0: yeah that would be awesome Oh, if you i'd really do hope that's in your future and i will definitely (laughs) come and visit (laughs) and like yeah i would love to make paper mache in one of your workshops in sicily that sounds amazing
1: yeah that would be great Uh, we could uh, combine it with like eating fabulous food and, and uh, go and see some, you know, interesting uh, things around and obviously the sea. I live, I live close to the sea, so I mean the sea is beautiful. So, yeah, a little yeah. bit of both, uh, a little bit of everything. Basically. That would be so bit,
0: good. Definitely. Well, I look forward to that dream coming true for you one day. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah I hope good. so.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, I said thank you so much. That brings us to the end of our interview. And oh, just quickly, actually, before you go, um, where's the best place for people to find you in your work? Like, uh, I know that you are working really hard towards um a new shop release. So
1: I think uh, probably uh, Instagram is a great place uh, where you can follow me. So uh, there you can see a lot of my work. And there I also have a link to my uh, Etsy shop, and and there will be updates on when. I'm trying to update and have a new release of new work uh, in now in the beginning of February. So my Instagram is uh, osarossdr, I don't know if you can put a link in somewhere or something. Yeah, I will. Um, uh, and you just search for me and I think that's the best uh, best place to, to get news about what's going on basically and see also a little bit of my work process and my, my, my work and
0: yeah. Awesome thank you so much um and you, do you ship worldwide
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: oh excellent and I'm gonna to have to start saving my pennies there's so many beautiful things
1: <laughs> thank you thank oh, you
0: thank you so much
1: oh thanks to you it was really a pleasure speaking to you
0: thank you so much for listening to art muse podcast if you enjoyed the episode then please like share or follow on whichever listening app you use if you want to keep up to date on social media, the best place to find us is on Instagram at artmuse_podcast. underscore podcast.